Today we have Holly Williams on the show. Do you want to keep more money and pay fewer taxes? Holly Williams is here to show you exactly how to do just that. She has mastered the art of investing in multifamily real estate, has saved thousands on her own taxes, and can teach you to do the same. Listen and learn. Are you looking to invest in multifamily real estate and want to learn? Go to join.darrenbatchelder.com, sign up, and start your journey. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing, be introduced to the players that are getting it done, and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Holly Williams before we start the show. Holly lives on the East Coast in New York. She spent 25 years as an executive in advertising and market research. She then found a way to invest in private market investments. She started saving taxes and keeping more of her income. That prompted her to want to share these opportunities with others. Now, onto the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We've got Holly Williams with us. Holly, appreciate you coming on the show. I am thrilled to be here. Fantastic. So <laughs> just a little bit on how we know each other, and then we'll get into it. Um, so this is actually the first time that Holly and I are speaking together, but I'm so excited. We just spent like five, 10 minutes chatting away, and this girl's got some spunk. So, uh, But we were both... <laughs> We were both speakers at uh, Dan Hanford's multifamily conference last last summer in uh, Charlotte, and and it's coming I, up again. It's coming up again in June, yeah. and you know I was looking forward to getting to know her a little bit better, so I asked her to come on. And um, so with that, you know, can you share with the listeners how many properties and how many units you're invested in? Well, so. Uh, Probably north of 15 syndications as an LP and a GP. I've been doing this a, a little while. And um, before that, I was an advertising slash market research executive uh, here in New York. I live in New York City. And um, I fell into this. And this is a great story. <laughs> I, you know, I thought I was the only person that didn't, that didn't know about this. About I, syndications? Yeah, and I thought I was the only person that didn't, I didn't, I was an accredited investor for years. I had no idea what that was. And so it was a gift. I tell people, uh, how'd you, when they ask me, how'd you get into this? I say, you know, Joe Fairless needed money. <laughs> he was <laughs> he, he was a broke kid. So, well, yeah. So, a lot of people know Joe Fairless, and he's done very well for himself in the multifamily world. He's a good, close friend. And, yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So, that's kind of how I got into it was just to help him. And I didn't even know what I was investing in. And then when he asked me to help him on a couple of things, I started calling my friends that are much, I mean, forget it, they're rich, right? <laughs> And uh, they didn't know anything about this either. And so a big 
light bulb went off uh, because around the same time, a couple of years earlier, my parents had basically spent all their money through really no fault of their own. They did whatever, what everybody taught them and told them to do. And so, so what were those things? I mean, you mentioned that you wrote a book to. I did. I've written a book called Hidden Investing, What the Wealthiest 1% Know That We Don't. And basically, it's, it's an easy read. It goes through 10 myths, although now I have 11 because my husband turned 65. And let me tell you about Medicare. What a scam that is. But anyway, I digress. So that's not in my book, but it will be in volume two. <laughs> but, I'm not there yet, but I'm 52. Uh, so I'll, I'll we'll be paying talk. attention. <laughs> we will talk. But, but so, so what I found in... in raising millions of dollars and, and doing lots of deals was that we are so brainwashed and programmed to think about money in a certain way and to think about investing in a certain way. And it's all 100% Wall Street driven. So we're taught things like, uh, you know, do get a job, go put the most in your 401k and the 401k grows tax free. Well, all we hear is tax free. But what I found out through my parents was that we, you have to take that out. And when you do, it's taxed at full income. It's not taxed as capital gains. If you had taken that money and invested in a mutual fund even, which is basically what you're doing with the IRA, you would be paying capital gains rates, but we pay full, it's taxed as regular income. So you put it in when you're making no money and you're young and you, and then, you know, you're, you don't need as much money when you're retired. That's ridiculous. You need more, especially what I've learned about Medicare. You need more money. It's true too. I mean, like I'll give you an example when I was, look, I've been in this for four or five years, but beforehand I was a, I'm still a business owner on another, with another business, but Mm -hmm. With, with that business, I would try to, to max out my SEP IRA, right. which was at the time, like, I don't know, 50 grand or something I could put in a year. Yeah, which and, is great. And I was thinking like, okay, I'm saving, you know, I'm saving that on income tax in this year. Um, but, the, you know, the part of the false thinking is people say, you know, when you pull it out, your tax rate is going to be lower. Well, look, I, I want to... I want to have a abundance, right? So I don't, when I pull it out, I'm expecting it to be higher. So I mean, do you want to downsize to right. a tiny, tiny condo and never go anywhere? Okay. Right. Um, but if you want to take the grandkids to Disney World and have a, have a, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but you need more money now than you did when you were working. Right. So mm-hmm. that's definitely one of them. And um, so that I, I cut you off. That was number two. Um, but you well, got a n- I mean, it was, we go, I go a lot into mindset because that's what really helped me. You know, when you're a corporate fat cat, right. <laughs> you, you know, our, it, our, is that what you, you, you called yourself? Oh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I say I clawed and scratched my way to the middle. Right. <laughs> but, but you know, when you're, your job really is to get your clients promoted and to get your boss promoted and, and that's how you move up the corporate ladder and all the games and all of that kind of thing. And, and you know, we just are not, we, that's all we know because, you know, you're smart, you're a business owner, all that. But, you know, I grew up in a middle-class household and 
don't quit a job when you have a job and all this stuff. And I, I had to hire a, I was invested in a lot of numerous uh, multifamily deals and, and making numerous, you know, a very decent income through those investments. And then I was uh, involved in a lot of them, although you, it's hard to do this when you're, when you have a job, you, you know, you, you really have to, if you're, if you want to be on the active side, you really have to leave your job. But yeah, as an LP, it's, e it's easy to do. Oh, yeah. You just, you just wire your money into a deal and you go about your business. It's the greatest and, thing ever. And, yeah. And then all of a sudden, three, four years later, your money doubles and you're like, holy cow, that's like magic. Yeah. But you know, we, we're taught things like the higher your income, the richer you are. Right. And, and the wealthy don't think about that. They don't, they don't want income. <laughs> they want cash flowing assets that have depreciation and, and, and tax strategies because, you know, our tax code is meant to incentivize us to do things that, that are going to help the country. That's what it's meant to do. Spend. <laughs> yeah. It's not meant to, uh, if it was just meant to tell me how much I taxes I needed. I mean, we get rewarded for doing things that the government wants us to do right or wrong. I didn't write the tax code. Right. So, so, you know, the whole, uh, the whole, our whole thinking is really messed, messed up. We're only one person can be the CEO. Well, that's true, but there's lots of companies, you know, there's lots of you, you know, if somebody else does well, then that's, that means that I can't do as well, but that's not true. That's the scarcity mentality. And right. that's not how the wealthy think at all. Um, and, and so you really have to remove those limiting beliefs before you, to me, before you do anything, because otherwise this sounds like a scam. I, I agree. And, and people in this world, people that I've come, come across have really, Open my mind and from a, a mindset perspective. Let, you know, when you talk about how we were brainwashed or how we were, I'm not sure if I would use the word brainwashed, but oh, we yeah. were trained a certain way um, to think a certain way. Um, is that I always thought like they always pitched this build a huge nest egg and mm -hmm. how big is your nest egg? And then when you retire, you're going to pull from that nest egg. And then when I got involved with real estate, real estate folks, people started telling me, you know, look, you could look at it differently and buy cash flowing assets. Those assets generate cash flow that you use for your lifestyle. And as long as your lifestyle is underneath that cash flow, it doesn't matter how big the nest egg is. Mm -hmm. And then as you buy more assets, you have more cash flow, you, you can, you know, have a higher lifestyle. So our system is designed for us to die broke. So every time, every financial calculator, every retirement planner, the very first question they ask is how long do you expect to be retired? Right. So the whole, the whole thing is based not upon building generational wealth, it's try not to die before your money runs out. And it's, and we don't think about this because we are so, and I do think it's, it's brainwashing because it's just like, that's, that's what everybody talks about your whole life, my whole life. 
I mean, this is just me. But the wealthy grow up in households that talk about generational wealth and talk about life insurance and how you can use that as your own bank and how... Even just your website address, keep more. Well, exactly. They're focused not as much on what their income is as how much they get to keep afterwards, after paying taxes. That's correct. When I left my my job job, so it's so interesting because there was no reason for me to stay in my career here. And, and there really wasn't, I was, but quitting my job. I mean, I had to hire a coach and I was terrified. It was just insane stuff that we are just programmed. In between the ears, man. (laughs) It, 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 it it really is, you know, and when they talk about diverse, you know, Whenever someone, so when an investor says, I need to talk to my financial advisor, forget it. The financial advisors, now I, listen, financial advisors are great. I, my good friend, I feel bad because every time I talk to him, I take more money out. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, um, he gets this now. He didn't, he didn't get too much of it 10 years ago when I first started doing this, but but, you know, he thought I was crazy. But then, you know, so I write about him in my book, you know, and, 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 and it's the, the challenge is I didn't learn about any of this in business school. Uh, when you think about private investments, you think about Bernie Madoff. We're taught that chase private client, you've made it, forget it. What they don't, and what people don't know, or I didn't know, I'll speak for myself, is that there's a whole division of the bank Chase wealth management. And you need $40 million to get in there and you need 10 million of it to be liquid. And then you can get into the, to the good stuff, right? And so what we're doing with multifamily syndication, and they buy syndications. That's who owns these things, hedge funds, you know, the, the, the big wealth management, you know, Goldman Sachs has one, the whole, all of them. And, and so, you know, they call it wealth management, but it's really, it's, they're really brokers. They really want to sell you stocks and sell their bank services because that's how they make money. So that's all they know because they learned that in school too. Their business school right. didn't teach them any of this either. And then when they got out of school, they joined uh, Merrill Lynch's training program or Fidelity's training program. And, and, and they talked taught them all about their stuff. And so all they know is their stuff. Right. To, to, to put you in. Yeah. It's, whenever you say financial advisor, I think that who, whatever the financial advisor has in their kit to be able to sell, that's what they're going to recommend because what, whether they're good, you know, uh, because that's what they know. Right. And I'm in all of that. I mean, it's not like I hate the stock market and everything, but people don't understand that that the stock market for the average person like me and you, uh, Warren Buffett is not going into his E-Trade account and buying stocks like, like I am. Right. He's going in with the wealth management people, you know, he's going in and he's buying the company and getting on the board and, you know, all the all the hedge funds are going in and getting the companies going started, and 
and and growing and taking over another one and all that. And by the time that stock gets to the secondary market, that's why it's called the secondary market. I didn't know it was called the secondary market. But because all of the Goldman Sachs original investors have already gotten out. So you're, you're buying what they just got out of. Yeah. And so the common folk, like right. most of us have been trained to be, to work, work in a job for a company is the stock market. When, if you read about family offices and, and the private, they do have an allocation to the stock market, but then they also have an allocation to alternative investments. Without a doubt. And people and, say, I'm in Vanguard and it's no load and they don't charge me a fee. Oh yeah, that's how they afford all the advertising. See, these mutual funds are, the terms and conditions on a mutual fund is, forget it. They can do whatever they want. And, and, and there's fees all over the place. Playing, paying for every copy they make in the copy machine. It's just that it's... When they're saying no fees, they're talking about there's little management fee, but there's all these other fees right. in there. That's why the stock market returns so let's 10% talk about, and you get six or whatever. You, you don't seem to have fear because you ended up doing a big deal with, with um, Joe Fairless when you I didn't did. even fully understand. Oh, I was scared to death. You were scared? Okay, oh, so yeah, 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 I yeah, think yeah. that part... Fear is partly what stops a lot of people from getting into the alternative investment, into the private investments, into, you know, transactions like multifamily syndications yep. and other types of deal is because you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so that prevents people from kind of taking the step. So when you talk to people, how do you get people comfortable with, you know, Taking a chance. Well, so to me, it's really not. They, the only way I know to do that is to just share my experience. Right. And so they've watched me. It's so interesting. You know, I came from ad tech and I was an early, relatively early AOL employee and, and, and went to go. And I thought all these people would just give me money and they would be thrilled to invest in this. To them, you see, this is, first of all, they don't understand it, but they want to invest in 10 startups and nine of, they want to get on the board and they want to do all this. And then they, they, nine of them will fail and one of them will hit and they'll get really rich. This is very pedestrian to them. But the older people are getting in there seeing me and others, you know, I've, uh, you know, pedestrian, it sounds better and better, you know, the older you get. Because what happens is, is that the stock market's great. It's just that they're telling us to hold for the long haul and they're trading in middle, milliseconds. They're putting us in a mutual fund and they, because they work at the company, they have access to the stuff that all the really wealthy people have. So you're listening to people that aren't doing what they're talking talking to you about doing the, the other thing i think it, they don't really talk about as much is is the volatility so i mean right. if, if a stock goes down 50 percent, well in order to just get back to even it has to go up by 100 percent. so and you don't have the leverage that you have in these multifamily deals you know the, the equity is only say 30 or 40 percent and so it, property doesn't have to double in value no, it doesn't. For, for the equity, 
to double in value. And it doesn't even, I don't even buy for that, but it, we've been very fortunate in that we've had a lot of doubling in equity. You know, with the stock market, you the, the government makes you take out your 401k too. And, and you see what happened in 2008, it, you know, even if you were super safe, you still were down a lot. And when it's down, you have to sell the stock to get the money. It's gone. You cannot recover it. So if you are forced to take out money or need it to live on or whatever, and the stock market is down, it's gone. You cannot make it up. Right. And that's what happens to a lot of people because the stock market goes up and down and up and down. And it's so funny because I have a good friend that told me early on, he said, I don't understand real estate. I understand the stock market. I'm like, are you kidding me? What's Apple's mar margins in China? Right. You know, what is the free trade agreement or whatever, you know, have to, they don't know. We don't have any idea. It just goes up and down and up and down and no rhyme or reason. They can have a good quarter and the stock goes down or whatever. And whereas we buy an apartment complex, bunch of people all get together and we buy an apartment complex and the people pay the rent. And then we take the rent money and we go and we pay off the loan and all that stuff and all the expenses. And then whatever's left, we distribute, you make money. So 100% of the time, if that number is a positive number, you make money. Right. 100% <laughs> of the time, if that money is a, if that number is a negative number, you're not going to make money. But most of the time, it's, most of the time, you're not going to lose the principal because you, you know, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. It's capital preservation and keeping that because you don't have to sell the asset to get the cash flow and the income to In live on. In addition to that, like that's, you know, one of the downsides of these deals, a lot of people will say is the illiquidity. You know, you put your money in and you, you're not going to get it back for three, four, five years. But I saw during COVID, like, the stock market tanked, and I had investors in deals. They couldn't get their money out. There was no ticker symbol. It's a damn shame. I, I know for sure that they, some of them would have sold and taken right. a loss. And instead, we held on, and then the market got better, and we sold the property at a significant right. gain. And those all those LPs are... So much better for it. Without a doubt. You know, without so. a doubt. So it's, it's, and you're getting the other aha moment. This is, was really a, so we go along and I'll just talk about me. Uh, you know, I went along in my career and made a little more money, a little more money, a little more money. And, and I knew I want that, to be your friend. Well, not a lot of money. I want to be my daughter is who I want to be. My daughter is who I want to be. But uh, so we go along and, you know, you get these 1099s at the end of the year. If, you're, if you do anything, as I knew the 401k, you needed more. So I was also saved on top of that. And I put it in the stock market, of course. And you get these 1099s. Wow, I made $2,000. Wow, I made $8,000. And so, oh, isn't that wonderful? 
and you hand it all over to your accountant and you pay taxes. I got a 1099 that said you owe $60,000 in capital gains on this money. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold the phone. I didn't take any money out. Right. You know, you owe, you've made $60,000. You owe 30000 in taxes because this is New York City, which that's a whole other topic that we could have a whole other podcast on. But, but you know, I'm like, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't take, the, take any money out. You didn't even take any money out, but they were, they were selling, buying and selling in They were in buying the and selling, and they would get paid for every transaction. It's a racket, man. And, and so I understand that then you, they keep the cost basis and you make it up, like whatever. But, I mean, that's nonsense. That's ridiculous. And so, you know, whereas when I <clears throat> did my first syndication— <clears throat> I was collecting a check every month, every month, like 600 bucks, whatever it was. I don't remember. Uh, and, and, and then I, my K1 at the end of the year, instead of that 1099 saying I made $60,000, this said I lost $60,000. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And, the, and so I had a couple of rental properties and it offset that. And that was the big aha moment. I'm like, my what, do you, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? So it's all. I mean, so, I get it, but like, so you had rent other rental properties that had a profit on them. Correct. So you were able to take that loss and then correct cover. because it's passive income. So not only did you pay not pay tax on all the money that you got from the syndication, but you also got to cover I, correct the income that you would have had to pay. Correct. On those rental properties. We were sending my daughter to private school with the rent from our Brooklyn four-family house, right? <clears throat> And, and, uh, you know, it was crazy. We were paying taxes on that and this offset that. And I'm like, oh my God. This that's is, an aha moment. That was an aha moment. Right. And it's so funny because <clears throat> it's so hard to, to raise money when you first start out here. <clears throat> but I, my biggest thrill is, is when people call me and they say, oh my God, you were right. This is crazy. and that makes me so happy because I don't want people to end up like my parents. And it's a mess out there. It's a mess. You're just throwing it to the wind. Right. And people, we're, we're also brainwashed that, you know, 10% is good or 6% is good. Or buy this annuity and you're guaranteed 5 or 6%. It's, that's crazy. Crazy if you really think about it. But you don't. They're, they're, they're so good at selling you. And the truth, they're not lying. Right. You do. You make 6%. And, of course, it's taxed at full, but, you know, it's all, all that stuff. And, you know, I, I have a, my daughter, uh, we have one child, and I, uh, when she was born in New York State, they have, you know, everywhere, they have these 529 plans, right? So it wasn't bad be at all because, in New York, you could take 10 grand and put it into one of these things every year and you it's a tax write-off. Just state and local taxes, which helps because they rape and pillage the land on the state and local taxes. But so every year from the time my daughter was born, we would put 10 grand into this 529 plan. Okay. So cut to she's 18, she's ready to go to school. She's got this great 
amount of money to go to any school she wants to. But all that whole time, she had years where she made 10% or whatever. The entire, over the life of that 20 years, the the return was 5.9% or something like that. You know, now I got the tax benefits. And so there were some additional things and I didn't know any better. And if you're going to make a mistake financially, make a mistake where you end up with $350,000 at the end of it, (laughs) right? Right. I tell people, but if I had to do it over again, I would have had 700,000. Trust me. And, and, and so it's my brother, I have a brother and he, he's been watching, he was watching from the sidelines and all this. And then. Does he live near you? He's in Houston. So I grew up in Texas. Oh, okay. Texas. All right. So I grew up in Houston and I went to school in Lubbock and worked in Dallas for a little while. So I'm I'm really a Texas girl, actually. But that's, that was, I had no intention of staying in New York for 30 years. So my brother, I said, you know, my only regret is that my parents, that I could have really helped them, that, that they'd known about this. And Ken, my brother's name is Ken. He 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 finally invested after I was in this five or six years. And Your he does, did. yeah, he does two a year and he's got it going on and and he's he's a believer. And he said they wouldn't have done it. That's what I was gonna ask you, like, you know, would would they have They wouldn't have done it. And that's why I wrote the book, because they wouldn't have done it because they didn't believe what I'm talking about, what we're talking about right now. Right. And to to make that leap, and I probably would not have invested with Joe early on if I hadn't watched my parents. And I knew it was a scam, not a scam, but I knew it, something was dreadfully wrong then, sure. right? And so once you know, you can't not know. And it's interesting because I don't have, I'm not a financial, I don't have a degree, my degrees in marketing and advertising. And I have asked really smart Wall Street people and all that. If you read this book and if you find anything that's not right. Right. Please, I would say it in the book. If anybody finds, I'm not a professional. I don't do your own research. Everything I'm saying, everybody out there, don't believe a word I'm saying. Go do your own thing. But I've asked and I haven't heard from anybody. Right. Because they're not lying. It's just that they're only, we just don't know because we are only taught what they want us to, to think about it. The school system, I mean, we're, we're trained to be cogs in the wheel. Yeah, I mean. We look, really I, are. I, on top of that, even in the multifamily syndication space, you know, you have this definition of accredited investor. You know? Just one more hurdle. It's ridiculous. It's, right. And so now you have a lot of syndicators that they'll only take accredited investors because it it eases up on the, the regulation and, and the exemption. And so now it's maybe you're not the, you know, uber, uber, uber wealthy, but like you're still, you still have to have a decent net worth or make really good money or you don't. Or you're not even allowed to invest. It is pretty crazy, and you can't even you know? look at them. And you, so you have to. It's it's really a club, and I found out it was a club, and I'm so very grateful to have it. Absolutely changed my life, and 
changed a lot of other people's lives. So I'm starting a podcast. It's launching next week called what's Hidden the, Investing. Oh, uh, awesome. Hidden Hidden Investing. Hidden Investing, right? And and you know, that's why I'm doing it is to to just like you're doing, just spread the word to more more and more people because once you know, you you know, they talk about diversification. Well, diversification to Wall Street people are like different Types of mutual funds, like, you know, uh, big companies, little companies, foreign companies, but it's all stocks. It's not diversification, you know, and today, yeah, I'm in stocks, but I'm also in an oil fund and I'm, and I've got a life insurance policy that I save through, right? But it's a special I wouldn't got an insurance license because I am such a believer in it. Because most time you say life insurance and you think slimy salesperson. Right. This isn't what we're talking about. This is what the banks do, but you do it yourself, right? And instead of keeping it in the bank, you can keep it in. in Look, I was always taught that, you know, term, 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 you know, term life insurance. That's what they say because they make more money cheapest. selling it. Cheapest, you know, thing out there. and They make and, more money selling yeah. it. So another thing that you're talking about is, is I, I've talked about like the ripple effect. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, when you first started getting in, you were like, all right, I want to see what, there's got to be another way. And you found it. And now you're going and telling other people. Mm-hmm. And the people that are listening, there might be somebody that's just looking to get in it and, if, if you're like anything like myself or Ollie, like in the beginning, look, that's the way you think is yeah. you think like, how can I grow my wealth for my family, you know, and how can I have additional streams of income? Um, how can I, but then as time goes on, it's almost like finding a cure to cancer. Like you want to tell other people, like there is another way. And, and yet there's some people that look at you like you've, you're trying to sell snake oil, you know, but you're just trying to tell other people that there's another way for them to do it. So I've just found attraction. I have friends that just won't do, they believe that they have a nest egg and that 5% is all they need to have a happy retirement. And if that's and that they can sleep at night doing that. They believe that if it says fidelity, it's safe. Right. And that five or even if you're making 10%, by the time you retire, I mean, by the time you're, it's half that because the dollar, they keep printing more money and it's worth less and less. And, and so there's all kinds, all this stuff they just don't teach you in school. So talk about that inflation. Like I, I've heard of inflation, <laughs> but we're going through it right now. I didn't really fully understand it. Oh, know? I know. I didn't either. You know, and but now you hear, like I've got a, I've got two kids in college, and my daughter is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how much food is. You know, like <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, now she's got a budget, right? Instead of just having us pay for it and it's in the fridge. Uh-huh. But, you know, inflation seems like, oh, yeah, inflation, inflation, inflation. Yeah, I get it. But in, when it comes to investments, your investment really has to grow greater than the inflation rate. 
Yeah, that's or else not your purchasing to. power is going down. It's not going to. And and unless you can time the stock market, and good luck with that. And I've made a lot of money in the stock market, and I've lost money, you know, but the money I've really made is what I've got worked for a startup company and gotten insider stuff. That's, but I digress. So, so I think that, that we only know what we know. And you see the wealthy know all of this. They don't even, from the time they come out of the, their mother's womb, they are hearing this stuff, right? But we, I didn't know to tell my daughter until she was older. Right. I mean, now my kids, I tell, I tell them when I get out of college, you know, buy a duplex or a threeplex or a fourplex. Yep. You know, in your 20s, your first time home buyer, you know, three, whatever, whatever it is, three, three and a half percent down instead mm -hmm. of 20%. I wish somebody had told me that. Now, you know, you still, they still got to go do it. I don't know whether they will or won't, but um, I wish somebody had told me that. So you can buy real estate. This is what I've really learned. You can buy real estate for appreciation or you can buy it for cash flow. So I didn't, most people think about, and they're thinking about Bitcoin the same way. I buy it low, I sell it high. I want to buy a house and I want it to appreciate. Forget that. If it appreciates, great. But what you want is something that when you buy it and after all the expenses are done and everything, you have a positive number at the end of the day, the end of the month, right? And, and so that is what I want. And it's very, if you live in New York, if you live in LA, if anybody's listening to this and, and, can find me something that's cash flowing. <laughs> so I, I want you to explain that a little bit more because, you know, to some people, all right, so say it cash flows and I'm making $200 a month. Mm -hmm. like, like, well, that doesn't sound like a lot of money, right? right? But it's paying down, the, somebody else is paying down Correct. the principal. And at the end of the, you know, at the end of the time, you hopefully have a, own a home. Uh, and so that's one way to do it. And, and what multifamily does is it just multiplies that by 100x if you've got a 100-unit apartment complex. So if you have a single-family home and you're renting it out and you're making $300 a month or whatever, and then the tenant decides to move, well, so it's at least a month that it's going to be empty because they don't move out one day and you move the new one in. So there you've lost a month's rent or whatever. So the, And you went from 100% occupied to zero. Correct. Overnight. Right, correct. And so I always say rent where you, where, where you want to live and buy where it makes sense to buy. And if it, if it invested in where it makes sense to invest. And, and what I've found is that I've made more money passively investing in apartment complexes. Uh, and you don't have to do any work. And that's the, that's the whole thing. And, and, you know, it takes a little bit of, you have to be able to evaluate deals. I mean, it there is a learning curve. You don't want to just 
invest like I did. You, just, <laughs> I was, I, right, exactly. Like I was going to well, say. Well, like, you want to know. You, look, you want to know the person. That's good. That's a good thing that you knew and trusted, Joe. But like you, I, I probably wouldn't have used Holly's uh, methodology on not having any idea. On well, by then the I really had works. a little bit of an idea. Okay. By then I had seen the K-1. I had seen the losses. I had seen what this will <laughs> right. do. I had seen, I, I was in the in that whole, th- I was learning a lot, you know. So so by that time I wasn't completely clueless. Now when I, when the first one I was completely clueless, I had no idea what I was doing, but I didn't put that much money in it. So anyway, um, I think that, that this is just, an amazing way to invest. You see, there's debt investing and there's equity investing. Now, what's confusing is that they call the stock market equities because theoretically, I guess you own part of the company, whatever. You really don't, but okay. And and so there's debt investing and equity. So most people invest debt investing. So loaning people money, you know, the capital gains, all of those things that come in your 1099. Debt investing is is actually buying into a real asset such as a business, such as um, an oil well or a home or a or a multifamily or an office building or something like. So you're really buying the real estate. You're not just loaning money so they can flip the house. You're by, you are an owner of the apartment complex. So you own a small percentage and you really do have a small percentage of it and you really do own it. And, and, um, and so that's, that's the difference. And so you get the benefits tax wise of, of buying a single family home or a duplex or a triplex, but you, the risk is spread out over a lot of units and, and, and you're not responsible for it. Can't turn into a money pit either. That's the other thing. So it it can't, or it usually doesn't. It well, it, it you're never going to lose more than you put in. I'll tell you that. You can right. go in and put some money into a house, and it can turn into oh my god, the you know you can end up having to pay a ton of money to salvage the thing. Well, you can't. You know, so so it, it's an LLC, and it doesn't. Have, it, it, there's a lot. Of, there's some legal things that are good about syndications as well. Yeah. So if you compare, so some people think, okay, well, I'll just buy a REIT. Well, a REIT <laughs> is like another stock, and you're not you're not getting the. Well, you know, when Holly talks about tax benefits, you know, so when, if you invest in one of these syndications, each Partner, limited partner, general partner is going to own a piece of the LLC that purchases the asset. And then at the end of the year, depreciation is going to be allocated across all of the the partners, whether they're general partners or limited partners. So if you're a limited partner in a syndication, you're actually that's where her loss came from, her sixty thousand dollars loss. And all the costs. You know, because yeah, because it's flowed down to each of the partners. But if you buy a REIT then you don't get the benefit of that depreciation. The REIT does. The REIT does. All, all a REIT is is a mutual fund that owns real estate. And Wall Street is getting the tax benefits. So people don't understand that either. So and all you hear about with private funds is Bernie Madoff. 
all you hear. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it. There's there's things that are scary about getting into this world. Uh, you know, oh, the, yeah. term, the terminology syndication sounds really complicated. You know, that's for somebody else. It's just a bunch of people coming together, buying an asset that they couldn't buy. On really, their what own. it is, and the stock market's um, scary too. I have yeah. a, I have a friend who's a plastic surgeon, and he makes he's got very high income, and he all of his money's in cash. <laughs> oh my god, you know, and and again. His family came from Cuba. He was brought up to save, 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 save. He's terrified. His parents saw what happened in Cuba, blah, blah, blah. And he doesn't trust, you know, whatever. And so he puts all his money in cash so he can sleep at night. And so, yeah, whatever, whatever. But if you want to really build generational wealth and and do... Make your money instead of the $350,000 at the end of the 18 years, you have more than that, then this is a, a one way to, to do that that, that uh, I have found, at least for me, has been a wonderful uh, learning experience. Absolutely. And, and you get to pick, like you get to pick the people that are running the deal where, look, if you buy Amazon stock or IBM, like you see a few of the executives in some write-ups, mm. but you don't really know the people that are running the business. Here, you could, you know, if you like Holly, you call Holly up and you're, you know, in one of her deals. Right. And, you know, you can call and say, what's going on? I got the last, you know, monthly, you get monthly emails with the, what's Ex going on at the property. That's exactly and, right. And you can call up and say, what's going on here? I see that, you know, this is happening. And not that you, as a limited partner, are going to be able to um, take control of the deal, um, but you have access to the people that are running the deal that could help educate you. Where well, right. You don't really have that. In the and, and it's so interesting because you talk, there, there, there are ways you can structure these things, and uh, 506C... You can only take accredited investors, but you can advertise it. 506B, you have some, you're allowed to have some sophisticated investors or whatever. So we usually use do accredited investors because uh, it's, it's just easier from a compliance standpoint and all of that. But I won't let anybody invest with me unless I know them, right? Because what you want it is even though I don't have to, I can advertise, I can buy Facebook ads and get investors or whatever, but I'm not going to do that unless, and if you sign up on my website, which you should, uh, keep I call you, you know, if you, we, we have a conversation before, because I want you to understand my mindset and how we run these things. Cause we're kind of together for five years. Yeah, when you say together, like I've played golf with some syndicators and I'm like, hey, have you ever sent out, you know, invite and then you left some passive investors off the, the invite? And like, you know, it goes both ways. They, you get to choose who you want to do business with as a syndicator mm -hmm. and the syndicator can choose who, who the investors are in the deal as well. That's exactly right. And so... I want to make sure that this is not your, uh, you know, the house payment money or the college. Right. Money, because there are things that we want to do 
and you want, like, for instance, COVID hit. So we had our government telling everybody that they didn't have to pay rent. So if you own apartment complexes, that... We were, we were all scared, right? <laughs> right. Like, We've what, never, are, what are we going to do? Never have I had the government tell us that, tell anybody that we didn't have to pay rent. And so we were like, rut row. And so the first thing we did for everything, we said, let's save the cash. Now, we always have reserves. We could carry the debt load for a year or so, six months to a year. I mean, that's, I have a lot of rules around these things that, which is why I only did one deal last year, but I'm about to do another one. And, and it's been the first one that's fit, fit my little rules, but the first thing we did was we, we said, we're not going to do distributions until we figure out what the heck is going on. And then we found out as time went on that it was going to be fine because people didn't want to move and most people pay their bills. So, yeah, absolutely. So it was fine, but we didn't know that. And so you want people to understand that okay, we might have, we had the money. We could have gone ahead and paid it, but it was prudent to just take a step back and go, wait a minute, let's just see what's, what this is. We've never seen that in the market. So you want people to, to be on, to understand the business plan and, and what, what you would do in certain situations because you plan for, we didn't plan for a global pandemic, but we planned for something <laughs> right. to happen. Right, exactly. You know, so... So what, where do you go from here? Because like you, we talked about you're in New York, you may be moving to Florida at some point. Um, you know, you want to get the word out. You want more people to get involved. Um, it sounds like you don't necessarily need to be doing this. I mean, you could be sitting on the beach, you know, drinking a Mai Tai. Um, but, but it's so much fun. But you choose to. Um, I think this whole conversation was all about like, look, you know, People need to take accountability mm-hmm. for their for their money. Yeah. I I kind of thought to myself, and this is part of the whatever you want to call it, the brainwashing or the training or whatever. Um, you know, you put 10 or 20% over in the stock market and then you just forget it. And that somehow is gonna grow. But what I've learned is that doesn't always no. happen. And you're responsible no. for your own money. Yeah. So you really need to manage it and you really need to figure out where are you going to invest it and who are you going to invest it with? So I think that that this conversation is about like getting and everybody to be accountable. you should be able to do to, that. Right. Exactly. You should be able to do that. And not only be able to, but you should hold your own, yourself accountable to do that mm-hmm. because I think that people, the government, whatever, just wants us to just put it aside and and forget it. So that they can make money trading it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, and yeah, that's what we're all taught to do. And so, uh, you know, if I can leave your listeners with, with anything, just, just learn to think critically and learn all you can and buy for cash flow. I mean, I you can buy for appreciation. So you can you can buy a vacant lot and build a housing complex on it and make a lot of money. You can also lose a lot of money. So I buy cash flowing assets or I don't. People come to me all the time to- all the time with deals where it's total reposition. It's not making money now. They got to throw out deadbeat tenants. Gotta, I don't even touch it. I don't even touch build 
I'm going to buy this. I've got the zoning approval for this, that, and the other thing. I, no, I don't even do it. I buy for cash. I only do cash flowing deals. And, and with lots of, of wiggle room in there to, to if something goes wrong, because it will go wrong. Yeah, none of these deals. I'm in a lot of deals, both as an LP and a GP, and yeah. very few deals go straight up. No. There's it typically, all right, it, it, there's, there's hiccups along the way. There's, you know, oh, what's sure. going on here? And then all of a sudden it, it turns around. And a it, lot it of work. Up. Yeah. What's really interesting is that the deals that we've had a couple where everything that could go wrong went wrong and they've made the most money. Have they really? Yeah, because like if you think about it, well, we had a deal in Houston that had uh, we had a hurricane. We had Harvey, you know, where stuff flooded yeah. that had your, never your flooded. Your property before. flooded? Well, it had never flooded before. It was like this was Hurricane Harvey yeah. in Houston where people were driving around with boats. Yeah, right. Did so, yeah, so, so like flood? half the property was underwater. It was terrible. Oh, wow. Um, then we had a fire. We had a tornado. But, you know, you buy, you, again, you, you, if, you're, if you do it right, you've got income replacement insurance. You've got great insurance cover that covers everything. So, yes, we just... We suspended distributions for two or three quarters while we worked all that out. But then we had a brand, the insurance company basically built us a new apartment complex. So, and there was a shortage of housing in Houston. So we filled it up it in a nanosecond. Right. Well, right. And we kept it probably another six months to a year and then sold it and made a lot of money. So it's, it's all about having those plans B and C in place and not, you've got to find deals where everything does not have to go right for it to work. So. Yeah. I read um, Sam Zell's book, who's probably the top guy in real estate. Um, right. And he's all, he, he, the whole book was like how he's solving problems and cre creating solutions in real estate. And when I, when I did my first syndication, I partnered with Raj Gupta, and he said, Darren, man, real estate is all about solving problems. And Right. I, but I thought it was like you buy real estate, location, location, location. Like that's what they tell you, right? Is, and, but when you're, you're operating a business mm -hmm. and there's things that are going to happen, and how do you solve those, right. those issues? But, hey, Holly, what do you like to do for fun outside of work? Well, so I've, uh, before I had my daughter, I was a big scuba diver. So scuba. I'm going to start doing where, where, that again. Where do you do scuba? All over the world. I was, we got married later in life and I've, I've been fortunate with, I've been all over the world scuba diving. So like, like, like the Maldives, all right. um, the Burma Banks near Thailand, uh, Micronesia, where we did so much of, so much of World War II in the Pacific and, Costa Rica, where the Hammerhead School, the Island of Cocos. Oh, awesome. You know, so there's, I've got, and, and the Florida Keys too, right? <laughs> the Bahamas too, right? So, so we've um, been very fortunate. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I want, my daughter's going to get certified. So we're going to, I got to, I got to get back in shape and do that. I like to ride my bike. You look like you're in shape. Come I on. I ride my bike. And uh, well, I, I think talk that that's important, you know, it's like, <laughs> look, you, we're most of the conversation is about building wealth and, you know, um, but we're only here for a certain period of time. That's exactly we, right. 
we have to be able to enjoy it, right? Spend spend it with people we want to spend it with and do things that we want to do. Right. And so I think that part of this is wealth building, but it's also freedom, freedom to do what you want, freedom to hang with the people that you want. Right. Um, so I love hearing that. Uh, you've gone to some pretty cool places. <laughs> I have gone to some pretty cool places. And I need to be doing that now. I mean, I need to be doing a lot of things, but... but you know, it's it's interesting. These changes in life are just the same thing as is is the life of an apartment complex, right? <laughs> you know, uh, for the first time in eighteen years, it's my husband and I, and we don't know what to do with ourselves. He really doesn't know what to do. But um, but you know, I'm having a really great time, and I feel like I'm making a contribution, and and growing wealth for me and my friends and people I care about and people that I don't even know yet, but you'll be my friend, you know? That's, that's huge. Like I, I would sit in the, the church uh, pew, well, not pew, but like we have right. stair, chairs in there, whatever. Um, and they talk about serving, right? And, uh-huh. and I always grapple with like, uh, I don't really feel like, going and picking up garbage on the side of the road. I don't know. Like, that's just, I, but I feel like these syndications are a way to, to give back, to serve. It's like you're, yeah. you're using your talents to, you know, build wealth, to build a community that people want to live in. That's, that's right. That's nice and we safe. We can make and, it better as opposed to sitting up better. here in New York as a spreadsheet, right. raping and pillaging the land and getting, squeezing every dime you can out of it. And then all your passive investors, they have different uses of the money. Some of them, like it's retirement. Some of it is they want to buy a car. Some of it's college education. And you're helping them. And they may learn along the way. That's too. right. Like, you know, so I think that that, I don't know. Whether that's a, me just wanting it's to say that I'm thing. serving in that way or not, but it's um, a great thing, you know. And everybody's got their um, got assets. You know, Joe talks about it in his book about apartment syndication. And if you want to know how to do this, he tells you how to do it. It's just a matter of doing it, and yeah, it absolutely. takes a village. Absolutely. Joe Fairless has a good book on on how to syndicate multifamily deals. If you if you're interested in becoming active. Right. Definitely pick that up. Now you said you had your book and that you were gonna. Oh yeah, so you can so, you can go so to how hidden, can the listeners hiddeninvesting.com backslash book and use keep more uh, when you check out and you'll get it just pays shipping and whatever. Hiddeninvesting.com what is it? Backslash book. Book. And then the code is keep more. Keep more. And the Website address, if people want to learn more about you. They can go to keepmore.com or they can go to hiddeninvesting.com and both places will get you get you hooked up. And if you want to meet her personally, Come June, on. Dan Hanford's That's right. multifamily conference. That's right. And we have discount be, codes somewhere, be there. right? I do yes. have a discount code. Are you gonna, do you have a discount code? for? I have a discount code. I do. Go ahead. Use yours. All right. I don't know what it is. I think you don't it know might, what it is? <laughs> I think it might be keep more. I don't know. I'll let you know. I don't know. Right. Hers, I think, is keep more. And mine, I think, is batch elder. I don't know for sure. I don't either, know. I and think, you've I got to really, t- keep more is easier to spell. Yes, exa- you gotta exactly. you got to figure something out. Exactly. Hey, Holly, I really appreciate you coming on, sharing with listeners. Uh, listeners, I hope that you enjoyed that one. Until next week, signing off. A lot of fun. 
Thanks. Thanks, Holly. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend.